Hi, this is Mike, co-host of Realistic Sustainability, the podcast, which you probably already know, but I'm also the author of A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life. That was the book that led to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, and, well, even this show. It offers tips on promoting your positive footprint while decreasing your carbon footprint. So, if you want to read what started all of this, get A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life, available on Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or just visit greeningyourlife.org for more information. Thank you for joining the sustainable movement and promoting a greener future. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and of course, I am here with Nick. That's me. It is you. So this week, we have had to do two of these in a row. I know you told me I'm not supposed to tell the secrets to everybody, but this is the second recording we're doing today. Yep, you're not supposed to tell, but you spilled the beans now, didn't you? It happens. It's you know what? I think everybody would rather know. So if they if if they feel like I haven't brought the same kind of energy the following week, I'm giving my excuse right now. Not acceptable. For those of you who can't see this, because we can see each other on our recording. He just just kind of stared me down like, no, I, I, you don't get to do that. So nope. I guess I'll have to try hard. I'm the only one that gets to act tired, young man. Why? Because I said so. Oh, I didn't know it was a little brother tells big brother scenario. It sure is. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to our show. This week, we're going to cover solar farms. Originally, you and I had picked this topic so that we could do a live show online. We even went through all the work it takes to figure out how to do a live show. We just haven't had the time to do it. That's true. We've been really crunched on time. We both have a lot of stuff going on in our own personal lives. Plus, keeping up with this kind of keeps us stretched kind of thin. Well, and I know a lot of people say if you're going to record this, you could just make it live. But I'll be honest, if we're going to do it live, I want to make sure there's no edits there. I want to make sure that we can be interactive, we're prepared, and it's a good show. And I don't believe we can give the quality that people deserve if if we can't prepare for it. So... We'll do it like this, where I can edit out the silly things I say. Well, I kind of agree with you, but the other part of it that I I tend to have an issue with the live shows, not that I don't like them, it's just uh, where my apprehension comes, is that they're video shows or video streams, and I am not dressed. I mean, you can see this hair. I've got an afro going on. Like, I don't feel presentable to to do a full show like this, and I know that if I do something ridiculous, you're going to find a way to work it into the website, and then I'm going to think it's hilarious, (laughs) but I... A 30 second clip is fine later on. I just don't, you know, I kind of have to work myself up to doing the live shows. It takes a lot of energy for me to not let my nervousness fry me. I get really, uh, really anxiety ridden with them. Well, and uh, you know, from me not being able to close shows and me stumbling over things all the time, I, I think everybody should know we're not necessarily showmen. This is, we, we do this show because we like to do this show. These are topics we want to have. It's something that I would, I have a passion for, and I think you're learning to get a passion for. 
we're not necessarily people who are ready to be seen all over the place. We're just people. And I think nerves comes with that. I get so nervous. I still get nervous when you guys send me a message and I have to respond. I'm very careful. I don't want to be, I don't want to make mistakes. So bear with us as we get a little more acclimated to what we do. And hopefully soon we'll do some live shows. I, yeah, I agree. Also that we'll take the, um, the acquisition of more time in the day. I know everyone's just stuck to a 24 hour day, but I'm hoping to push for a 36 hour day. That's a joke for anyone not listening. Yeah, and, I don't have uh, a button to make the laughy thing happen. Uh, you can put that in later. Another beautiful thing from editing. <laughs> so the laughy thing, I just want the butt up bump. That's I want the old school drum and snare. Nice. I am not that good of an editor. I can do it. I'll do it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway. Anyways, let's talk about solar farming. I think some people might be surprised on where I stand on that, but we decided to talk about it because in in where we live, it's pretty rural. And for the longest time, they were trying to put up wind turbines and some were were able to go up. Some were shut down by the the neighbors and, and the neighborhoods. Now we're starting to see solar farms go up between your house and mine. Um, I think on there's several places on the way north from me where they have multiple large scale solar farms. Yeah. So we figured we figured it's probably a a good thing to talk about. Well, I think so. I think that there's a lot of stigma involved, but I also don't believe that the literature for understanding is out there for the general public and that there's two different ways to look at that. On one hand, if it's not your property, people are trying to acquire the rights to for the solar farming. Then it doesn't really matter if you're just the one driving by looking at it. But not only are there a lot of solar farms going up and you didn't mention this, there are miles and miles and miles of signs that say no solar farms and then have a phone number across them. Because there is a few people that are just very, very much against it. And I think that that has a lot to do with misinformation. Okay, so if I remember correctly, you called that number. I did. I did call that number. <laughs> what? Okay, first of all, why? Well, because I was curious. I understand when people feel strongly about something they want to put in the yard. I understand passion. But normally when you're driving and you see something that says no, normally it says say no to, and it'll just say proposition A or law this, or it's usually something people get to vote for. It's very rarely ever something quite like this. And I thought it was peculiar. What I really thought was peculiar was that the phone number on it was a local number. Not that I recognized the number, but it wasn't a hotline. It wasn't toll free. And that was something that I didn't expect because that means that more than likely it was privately funded. So someone really feels strongly about this and it's someone that has a pretty good checkbook. So why not? I was tickled. I wanted to call. Okay. And how'd that call go? It wasn't, it wasn't terrible. The, The gentleman that answered the phone was fairly polite and he was really adamantly against the solar farm. When I asked him why, he didn't really give me a reason. He kind of uh, brushed up on the idea that people aren't really being presented with, you know, what it does to their property value and the effects it has on their homes and their land. And he doesn't want to have to look out and see a bunch of that stuff. And he didn't imagine his neighbors did either. And I really just kind of honestly think that it's a guy that doesn't like change. Is that what you got from that conversation? Well, that's it's kind of the gist. I mean. He wasn't a, he don't make a misunderstanding when he hears this very nice guy. He wasn't rude. Wasn't mean. He wasn't, he was, was very cordial. Um, I've actually, I found out later on, have met him before. I just never knew who he was. And to be honest, I don't remember his face. I probably still wouldn't know who he is. 
He owns a trucking company, and he is just very adamant about being against it. I, I guess, from what I understand, the solar farms are being put in by a company out of New York, and I believe that they're doing that, putting them in here, and then they're trying to get the energy contracts instead of consumers. I'm really not sure how all this works, but people are very against it. And I personally, if it's solar energy versus fossil fuels, I think it's worth looking into. That's my opinion. Well, and most of the solar farms in Michigan, which, by the way, like the city of Lansing owns a solar farm. <laughs> the most of these solar farms that are going in are in conjunction with consumers energy. What they do is they have negotiated. There's a certain amount of that consumers pays. Consumers has has not or DTE has not met their state requirement for renewable resources. And the reason why is because what they do is they sign these contracts with out of state companies to come spend a bunch of money here in Michigan. And then they get to count that. Gotcha. So they don't actually have to put it up. Matter of fact, they'll even send you coupons to your house like, hey, well, you know, we're going to let you do net metering if you put solar panels up and you'll get a two thousand dollar rebate if you do it, because every watt that's produced outside of their system but still goes in counts towards their renewables. So that helps them skirt under the law then. It does, but it also does put, again, doing the right things for the wrong reasons still reaps the same result. You're still getting solar energy into the grid. Yeah. But that's why Consumers does it. So I doubt it's a competitive market because Consumers owns all the lines. It would be nearly impossible to build a competitor in any state. For energy that's it, it they all have their own regions and they don't compete that's why but chances are they'll get a ppa or whatever license that is and be able to produce electricity and receive a check from from consumers energy every month that probably is exactly what companies are doing this if i were to venture a guess it would make sense to me that if a company went into business with a mind to build solar farms strictly to get contracts through local energy companies it seems like it'd be pretty lucrative. The companies are already trying to skirt the law. It seems like it'd be a win-win for both companies. Don't get me wrong. I've discussed it with the city of Durant. We've got 20 acres in the south part of the city that no one knows what to do with. It's not a bad idea. And it's been lightly passed around. I don't say, I'm not going to say it's even been fully considered, but it is something that I've brought up at least to have on the table. Now, with that being said, I'm not the hugest fan of solar farms because I think there's so much dead space everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, rooftops, roadways, walk, walking paths. If you want to give your favorite plug from your favorite solar company that builds things on the ground. You mean solar freaking roads. <laughs> solar freaking roads. Yes. Again, not necessarily on uh, on the main roads, but downtown uh, walkways, basketball courts, tennis courts. There's a lot of surface area that could be productive. The uh, Michigan State University has come up with clear panels that would work as windows. I have been thinking about this quite a bit, and I think that the winning scenario is sidewalks, uh, not not roadways, but sidewalks. I think are a fantastic opportunity. Also, light posts, anything that. Anything that a city would use as a decoration or like street lamps, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, those are things. Again, anytime you talk about energy, you know, I go into this rabbit hole, but 
it, it's a two-sided attack. You produce energy on one side, but you reduce on the other. And if you can get your light poles to be solar powered, and so that no longer draws from the system, and then we start pulling this extra waste space and turning it into something useful. And that, to me, is the long-term route of solar over these farms. Because there are goods, there, there are good reasons and bad reasons to have a solar farm. There are cons to having them. It's just in our in today's world, run by fossil fuels, none of those cons exceed the need to make the change. Yeah. So just real quick, I'm going to go over the cons list. Some people think they're ugly. I think, I think we know every single time. There's that term NIMBY, not in my backyard. I think they would feel the same way if they're going to put a coal plant in the adjacent property. Yeah, it is. Probably. It is. I like. I bought this place because it's exactly what I want, and I don't want anybody changing it. Well, that that's half true, but it's also um, people have a very uh, dependable habit of wanting things with no actual understanding or knowledge as to how it's produced. So. You want to have working plumbing in your house. You want to have working water. You want to flush your toilet and see your poop go away. But when something bad happens, do you dig your own septic out? No. You call a company that comes out and does it, and you pay them a ton of money because you want no part of it. Odds are you don't even watch them do it. Right. It's no different with energy production. People don't want to know where it comes from. They just want to be able to use it when they want it. It, I, I think I used to say it was voodoo in the past. You plug it in, and it works. No one knows how. It's just... They just say it's electricity and they move on. Happy magic. Happy magic. So I get the idea if you bought a piece of property and your view is now changed. However, that view change is. I get it. I'm not sure if it would motivate me to start a sign campaign down through several counties, but I I, I could see where it'd be disappointing. There's also people who think that it reduces your property value. Now, I was not able to find any evidence of that, but property values are skyrocketing right now, no matter what is next to it. Right now, uh, property is just silly, so I don't think I could check it. I don't think that property value is something that you can really use to measure anything other than the value of property, because your property value, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's generally dependent on what houses sell for in the area that they're selling generally but if there are if there are other aspects if i mean if there's a police station across the street if there there's other amenities in the areas there's other aspects the view people buy a view well no yeah but they buy it that's that's what i'm saying is regardless of all the amenities that's irrelevant whether they're there or not if they are there and the people are purchasing the home the property that is still dependent on people purchasing homes um, it's not, we're not getting into what leads them to purchase homes. It's are they buying them or are they not buying them? So if right. you have a lot of people that come in and buy homes and your property, that goes up and down. Now, if we get into why they are buying them or not, that depends on the class of citizen that's going to come in. If you have a lot of people that are very energy conscious and very dependent on taking care of the earth, because it makes them feel like they're doing something with their life and they're very in their best efforts, trying to live sustainable, then the property value for those places are going to go through the roof. If you want to talk about the property values of people that are very much set in their old ways and are maybe past their prime and going into the autumn of their life, yes, they're going to go down. But what are the odds are that you're going to sell your house and move to a new one? 
no, that, pro- that that statistic goes down too. So maybe I'm being rude about this. Maybe I'm being judgmental. I don't care. <laughs> See, and, and I know that if I had a view of a wind turbine, I think, I think you said that they're, that they were kind of intrusive in the, in the, in the background. I think they're really cool. I would purposely get that view, but because cause I'm an energy nerd that likes sustainability not I, everybody does. I believe I said, if we're going to quote me, and I'm probably going to quote myself wrong. But, Par- that's a paraphrase. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to <laughs> paraphrase. Uh, I think I said I understand why they'd be against them because they are not the the best looking thing. I didn't say anything. They were cool. Keep in mind, I can speak objectively, objectively over Mao and opinion, subjective and objective were two very different things for me. Personally, for me, I think they're awesome. And I think I am surely just blown away by the size. Anyone that knows me, when you put me next to something that is mechanical and it makes me feel insignificant, I get really excited. <laughs> um, if you watch me run around the steam portion of the Henry Ford Museum, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I climb on everything. <laughs> but um, same thing with, with, with the wind turbines or turbines. I'm not really sure what, what the correct uh, enunciation for it is, but it's the same thing. I think that they're really awesome. Now, with that being said, when I look out into the horizon, I could see how someone who likes to look at pure nature doesn't like those big lumbering giants. Does that mean I don't like them? No, not at all. I can just see how they are kind of a a negative aspect to a skyline. But if given that option versus, you know, not having a skyline because we've destroyed the earth, I'll take a few little whirly do's. (laughs) Whirly do's. Well, I will always take a whirly do. I'm not sure if Jamie would, but I certainly would. I also like the look of solar farms. But again, those are all personal preferences. Another issue with solar farms is they have a very large footprint. This, they take a lot of space. Well, yeah, those panels are huge. Well, and they put a lot of them up in order to pull enough electricity. They really fill large. I mean, we're talking more than mile square areas. Well, they would have to. It's one of those things where to be effective, it's the same thing with, with the wind turbines. So like for, for a solar farm to be effective, they have to have enough space to a rotate with the light to follow the sun. So they're effective, but also they only produce so much and, and to really make a difference in the grid, they've got to be able to, to produce enough energy to, you know, make a difference. Every time you hit them, you got to make a dent kind of thing. So I, I think that it makes sense that they would have to have a lot of them. Now, with that being said, and you've talked about this a lot when it comes to electricity, it doesn't take much power to run most of the things in your house, but two of the biggest things that we need power for heating and cooling uh, take a ton of juice. So they have to produce a lot. It's not like, you know, you don't run your house on just pumps. Yeah. Okay. So you flush your toilet, water goes out. You have a well pump, water comes in. It doesn't take a lot of power to pump water. It takes a ton of power to pump heat out of your house. It does. And each time a solar panel goes up, it supplements the energy grid. And that is a little less natural gas because that's what's where our primary here in Michigan. If you're more on the East Coast, you'll say coal. Or if you're in the South, it's oil. But here in Michigan, natural gas is our primary. And and the more solar panels that are up, the less we're going to burn. We're going to start using that to burn when we need it more and then back it down when we need it less. So there is that. Now, a lot of times in Michigan, that large swaths of land that they need to put those farms on are usually land that used to be farmed. 
that it is capable farmland in Michigan. And I would consider that a negative because I still believe any land used as energy that could be farmed as food correctly, not how we currently do it, is valuable. And that there's so many wasteful spaces out there. We have brown fields, large brown fields that we could use that we can't grow crops on that we could put solar panels on, plant clover underneath it. And by the time we move those panels, we have land again that's functional. So there is an issue with using farmland in my in my mind, and I think others' minds too, for solar farms. I I agree with you, and I'm going to try really hard to stay in alliance and not jump off a, a tangent on this one um, because I, I have a bad habit of doing that with farming. I do agree. However, I do believe in this effort we're making to move forward and and leave less of a footprint, we have to pick and choose our battles. And in a country that wastes 40% of the food it produces, I don't think we need to allocate more farmland that's not being used to produce food. Um, I think that until we take a real deep look at the way that 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 whole industry and system is built in terms of the commercial agriculture. I think that solar farming is a perfectly good alternative for the use of that land. Okay. And um, I do understand that too, because it drives me bonkers every time we talk about that 40% waste. And I think this is another one of those bookend scenarios where we do better at farming so that we don't run out of nutrients while we learn not to waste like we, we should be able to attack that one on both ends mm-hmm. that's really all i had for cons other than I, i'm going to sneak this in here too there are still issues with solar panels they're high energy intensive to create it takes about seven years for you to get back your initial investment and the carbon that from production so there are and and that there's really no good disposal method yet for solar panels so there is still some issues but a solar panel will continue to convert electricity at a high high rate of efficiency forever it will slowly decline over time through dents and pits and different different reasons in the glass but it will function and collect something forever so i just throw that in because it's still kind of a con for solar but i think the more we use it we'll figure that out now, pros, they're usually installed directly to the, you have a, a panel on a bracket hooked to the ground. They don't always, they very rarely disrupt the land itself. Now, there have, I have seen some solar farms where they've graveled the whole thing. I don't like that. I think that that was a waste of their money. I understand they want to drive a truck up and down to check things, but that's how two tracks have been used forever. The ones by us, it's just grass. You still have some biodiversity there. You still have a place for some of the critters to go. It is still a semi-functional natural area, but it's now producing electricity for us. So it is a pro that it's it's not very intrusive to the property. I always say this with solar because it's really fun to say. It's a never-ending feedstock. And I say that loosely because in billions and billions of years, our planet, our, our, our sun will swell, killing us all, and it someday explode. But in human lifetime on Earth, 
collecting solar energy is an infinite source. If we learn to harness it correctly and you and reduce how we use it, it's really all we need. And that's one of those pros for solar is continuing to get better at solar power, continuing to learn more so that we develop better and better systems because no one has to go dig that power up. It just comes directly to us. No one has to pump it, move it, ship it. No one, you know, no one gets black lung from getting solar. You might get a suntan, maybe a sunburn, but we have stuff for that too. But it's a never ending feedstock. It is, per, like I said before, perfect for brown fields. Here in Flint, we've got large swaths of land that we can't use for anything. That if we remove the buildings and need to start fixing that land, you plant clover and then you cover it with solar panels. By the time you're ready to reinvest somewhere else and you're going to take down that field, you've got good land again. Be a heck of an investment for a company to buy land that no one else can use fix the land while collecting an income. It's perfect for brownfields. It's a really good idea. Uh, they're quiet. I've never heard someone say the solar farm next to me is way too loud. And if so, we should be concerned with the person. Because I understand, you know, wind turbines, other, other forms, anything moving tends to have some audio issues with you're, neighboring houses. You're telling me that vibrating parts make noise? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they generally do. It's a, it's a mechanical loss I, of energy. I, I had no idea that vibrations equal sound. All right, well, you know, <laughs> live and learn, guys. Right. And then, of course, there's very low maintenance on solar farms. There's really just cleaning, checking wiring. There's really not a lot to maintaining a solar farm. So there's minimal cost. That's one of the reasons why they paid themselves off so quickly. And it is a truly clean and renewable power while those are active. So do you, do you think I missed anything in my pros and cons there, Nick? Um, well, let's, let's break it down. No, no, I don't think you did. You didn't break it down. I, that was you the just point. Said, it was a joke. Oh, yeah, I think I've missed a couple of those today. Oh, I think you're killing my humor. <laughs> People tune in for your brain and my comedic lightning of the mood and you're killing me is well isn't that what i should be doing killing me no you're supposed to love me and cherish me ah okay well so anyways these solar farms have purpose now me on a personal basis i'm, I'm looking at this as pros and cons of a solar farm i am not measuring it against what i believe the changes should be made uh i again I think that we've got plenty of wasted space throughout our cities to, to create solar interactions and be able to collect from it. But so where do you stand on solar farms? Um, I think that a, I very much support them. I think they're really cool, but I'm also envious. So as I stand uh, in the mindset that I wish I had the money to put one in because I would rather get paid from consumers than pay consumers. Um, I hate that company with everything that I am. <laughs> and, uh, You're going to publish uh, that. <laughs> good. Maybe they'll send me a discount card. But no, I, I think that they're wonderful. Any any attempt that we can make to, you know, to use less and produce more of a clean thing, I think it's a, it's a good thing. I think it's a good, it's a good uh, goal to have. I think that if I were at the lotto, 
I would attempt to do that in places like Flint. I would take enter. I would take money and invest it in areas that have nothing going on for it. And like Flint's a good example. The the city and townships of Flint is so big. There's so much waste and empty space over the reduction of population and people living there and, and businesses over the years. Yeah, I mean, at one time, I think Flint used to have over a million people. Now it's got about 100,000. There's a lot of empty space there. <coughs> it's actually dropped under 100,000. That's why they're no longer ranked on things like People Magazine and Time Magazine when they do those negative hit ads on our stories on cities but now now when they talk about the highest crime at the very bottom of time magazine's last list of crime ridden cities they they put an asterisk that said flint michigan dropped below hundred thousand and was no longer allowed to be on the list well then keep us off the list <laughs> don't remind people <laughs> but no, you're right. And that would be a great place for that investment is they have a tremendous amount of brownfields. The automotive industry has decimated a lot of Flint and it could be useful space again. It's just a matter of doing the things it takes to get it done. And, and it is challenging to get those power production agreements with consumers or with any energy company. I can't pretend to say I've applied for them or tried, but I do know that they are not plentiful. Well, I mean, how amazing would it be, though? Think about a world where instead of Flint being known for its automobile production, it's, it becomes an energy production like super giant in the state of Michigan. I mean, think about all the empty space, the hundreds, if not thousands of acres that could be covered with solar panels that aren't being used, whether they be space that was once, you know, occupied by a car dealerships or car factories or industrial plants, waste plants, sewage plants, whatever we, they don't use anymore, whatever land can't be allocated for residential. If it can't be used for residential and it's too poorly beaten up to be turned into a state park, put solar panels on it. What's the worst that could happen? The person that invests the money pumps it back into consumers and then has to pay the city like a, a big commission for the use of the land. But the city would do well. The city has more funding that way. The person's going to make a boatload of money. Consumers is going to get energy and the world is going to have a less of a problem with us because we're not going to be killing it. Well, and to tack onto that a little bit, did you get your notice from consumers energy this month? I always I do it every I get it every year, you know. <laughs> Listen, guys, prime hours. We're going to charge you more money for wanting to live. Yep, they're going to double our rates between one and seven on a time that people now work from home. It's not double, it's 1.5. Everyone says double. Sorry, they're going to another half. How's that? Well, I mean, if you round it up, yeah, it gets to two. But let's be honest, if you look at the price of one and a half versus two, you'll understand why I'm telling people it's not two. <laughs> three, because... 450 is easier to swallow than 600. If my normal is 300, then you one fit. I mean, I'm just saying, mm -hmm. not that I want to pay any of it. I don't want to pay that double company at all. But uh, yeah, I keep saying it, Mike. Keep looking at me like that. That's fine. I don't this like is, them. It is because we it is getting warmer, as you know already from this summer. It's not just warmer, but it's drier. Oh. We're hitting. I we're having to get out there and water those plants two and three times a day, even though that has sprinklers. Yeah. For at nighttime. So it is getting warmer. It is getting drier. It is get, becoming impossible for anybody to pretend like climate isn't changing. But what well, that's doing is stressing out our electrical grid. We're running air conditioners longer than we ever have in the past. Mm -hmm. Even even as they try to make high efficiency air, uh, air conditioners, high efficiency 
you're still drawing a massive amount of electricity from the grid when, when you run the air. And if you have a, a larger house, you may even be running more than one air conditioner. Yeah, or just a really big unit. You're right. Or some houses just have two or three window units, and they take quite a bit too. So it's stress, it starts to stress the grid. Remember, there is no extra electricity. Our, our electrical grid functions with what it needs at all times. If we use too much and they can't produce it, we get what's called a brownout. And if they produce too much and we don't use it, things catch on fire. Mm-hmm. Not in our, not usually in our homes, but transformers and things of that nature, they start to pop all over. So it has to balance this electrical game to try to supply us. So we're at a point now that society uses more than the current infrastructure can produce. And that is why they're doing that. They're trying to, it's the carrot or the stick. They're giving us the stick to, to use less electricity, which is a good indicator that when someone makes money on you consuming something and they start telling you to stop consuming it, <laughs> that's a pretty good indicator that we're dancing on a problem. Well, it's a huge problem because, I mean, so as a father of a family of five, we are not in any immediate danger if we lose the ability to cool our house actually we only we have two air conditioners one we've never put in it's a window unit and the one that's a stationary one that sits on the floor they both do about 600 square feet but we've lived in this house several summers with no air and we'll be fine but there are a lot of different places in the community that don't have that luxury there's senior citizen home there's there's hospitals with babies and there's people that can't have 90 to 100 degree houses and they need that power so if the grid goes out that's an issue Yeah, we have already a fragile grid. And what that is telling you is we can't produce enough to meet the need. We're going to charge you way more to start conditioning you to use way less. Where here in realistic sustainability, we're hoping we're working on using way less anyways. But one of the ways that they're going to be able to solve some of these problems is by adding renewable energy. Because what you're going to have is a higher baseline of Mm -hmm. electricity coming in. And then they will use natural gas to make up the difference where I believe that could be a hydrogen fuel situation, but that's a whole different discussion. So pro, you know, we, we sat and talked about the pros and cons of solar farms. I think the overwhelming answer is we need them more than we don't. Mm -hmm. I may not think they're the perfect solution, but there's a lot of imperfect solutions that help us move us in the right direction. And I think that's one of them. And it's, it's something that's going to have to help us understand what we need to do with this electrical grid, because I think this charging you a little more is only the first step. It's going to get a little more drastic as year and years and years go by and our climate continues to uh, assault us. Well, what I find strange about the whole thing is why they bother to warn you in the summer. Hey, we're going to charge you more. I find it hard to believe well, I shouldn't say find it hard to believe. I find it hard to understand that you use that much more power in the summer trying to cool your house off a little bit than you do from stopping it from freezing in the winter. I know that cooling it takes more power than heating it, but we're not talking about turning everyone's house into 55 degrees. We're talking about maybe 10 or 20 degrees versus the difference of 30 to 75 in the winter. 
I, I don't understand why they warn us now. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't understand a lot of it. I also don't understand why I have to pay it, but that's a whole other thing about me being a crybaby. They don't warn us in the winter. They just, we just, they, they send us the bill. We have to pay it or they cut us off. Right. Well, and it's, I honestly believe it's a portion of starting to condition people to change either buy more high efficiency equipment or use less when we you know we have friends and family who who received that notice and went screw you i'm going to use what i want to use and they'll and they'll be punished accordingly you know with the the cost change and they'll be very upset and then they'll complain about the cost change the rest of us see this and understand there's a problem. There's yeah. a long-term problem that they're trying to resolve the wrong way right now. They're kind of assaulting the finances to get people's attention. And until we solve that, that long-term problem, we're going to see more of these and they'll become more and more extreme. And with solar and wind, remember, after seven years, the cost is the maintenance, which is mm-hmm. pretty minimal. That drives the cost of electricity down dramatically. That's a good that's a good problem to have. And it might be something that at some point consumers energy and these other ones are going to have to consider because when you make money on the consumption of something and you're telling people to stop consuming it, mm-hmm. there's a much deeper rooted problem somewhere in there that we're not aware of. So I think that's all we had for solar farming today. And we started to push into the grid a little bit there. I want to thank everybody for listening. And if I'm sure there's going to be a wide variety of opinions out there on solar farming, let us know. Put it on the Green in Your Life site, uh, Facebook page. Go ahead, leave a comment on the website, or just shoot us a message. Nick and I love to see those. It's uh, a lot of fun, and we will try to start signing our names to the end so you know who you're talking to, because I just recently found out that no matter who responds, it's a little confusing. So... <laughs> I will. I'll try to be. I, I'm the one that I think last time I had to write, oh, I'm Mike at the bottom because I forgot to say it at the last message. But we will try very much harder to sign off so you know who you're talking to. And thank you so much for contacting us. It's a blast. And if you are putting those iTunes reviews up, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you haven't yet, please do. They help us tremendously. It is something that helps us get found all over search engines. So, Again, thank you all for listening. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And we'll see you next week. If you have the desire to be sustainable but are unsure of what can go in the recycling bin or you're constantly forgetting the reusable grocery bags, check out Starting Sustainability, the podcast. Don't be frustrated or confused anymore. Starting Sustainability was created to help those beginning their sustainable journey. Each week, we give ideas on simple concepts you can easily incorporate into your current lifestyle. We also share stories of what works and what doesn't, so you don't have to waste your time and money. Check out Starting Sustainability, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.